As major U.S. cities begin to cool down, politics continue to heat up in the wake of the death of George Floyd. I will explain and break down where the country is now and where we're headed. Welcome to Guard Nation. Alright, so as America continues to burn, both figuratively and literally, I wanted to break down what all is going on right now in the country and where in the world we're supposed to go moving forward. So, first point of contention. Let's all get out in the open what we all agree with. Number one, we all agree that police brutality is bad. I have not talked to nor have I met anybody who believes that police brutality is good. We all agree that the death of George Floyd was a clear case of police brutality. Nobody can argue against that. Of course it was. It was certainly a case of police brutality. Number two, we also agree that rioting and looting are bad, or at least we should. Rioting and looting are are all, almost always bad. Actually, all, I can't think of a time where that's justified. And again, you have a right to be angry. People have a right to be angry. There's nothing wrong with being angry at the situation. I was angry watching the video of George Floyd being killed. Everybody should be angry. That does not mean you get to go out and riot and loot and burn down stores for whatever reason. I, again, as, as I talked about last week, I will never understand the connection of why in the world you feel like you need, because even if you want to make the argument that the death of George Floyd was a racial killing, which I have not seen the evidence for, I, it's a definite case of police brutality, but even if you want to make the case and say, oh, yes, it was definitely a racial killing. Why does that mean that you get to go get a, t a TV from Target? Why does that mean that you get to go burn down AutoZone or burn down Wendy's? What did those corporations have to do with this? And I know I'm making the same, I'm probably making the same tired argument, and some of you all listening to this will be frustrated because you'll say, oh, my gosh, do you have anything new to offer? That is what everyone says. Well, yes, because it is a good argument. It is a good argument. And I don't understand why people are getting upset with people making that argument. Not to mention, and I'm just going to say it because a lot of people won't, most of the people that are rioting and looting don't care at all about George Floyd. They care, they're opportunists. They care about get, making money and stealing. They do not care about the politics. They do not care about what, whether or not they see it as a racial motive. They don't care about that at all. They see it as an opportunity to steal and to plunder. And that is horrible. It is not fair. It's especially not fair to a group. You've probably heard of them. They're called Black Lives Matter. Now, personally, before I move on with this, personally, I want to say for the record that I, as a fundamental, or I, I fundamentally do not agree with the movement Black Lives Matter. I think it's is a well-intentioned movement that is brought about in the worst in, in a horrible way I, I don't really agree with the way that black lives matter is pushed forward i don't really like i said i don't really agree with the movement of course i think that black lives matter but i do not agree with the movement itself because a lot of people that i see and i know that every time i make this argument people are like oh no that is not what it is that's not what it is well i'm just going off of what i see a lot of people accentuate the movement to where it's they place black lives above other races, and of course that is reverse racism, and I do not like that. So as a movement, I, I'm, 
I am against Black Lives Matter. However, I can also recognize that Black Lives Matter was a began these George Floyd protests peacefully. Black Lives Matter was out there peacefully protesting the death of George Floyd, as is their First Amendment right, as they should do. And I have absolutely no issues at all with them protesting the death of George Floyd. I'm actually glad that they did because it's something that can help their movement, even though I disagree with their movement fundamentally. Uh, it's something that can help their movement, and I love seeing people exercise their First Amendment rights peacefully. But you have these rioters and looters that have absolutely tarnished, tarnished, what Black Lives Matter was protesting for. People are now falsely, I see it all over Twitter, people are falsely grouping the rioters and looters with Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter is not, I can't speak for everybody, I'm sure there were probably some, but Black Lives Matter as a movement is not the group that is rioting and looting. That is Antifa, the, the short for anti-fascist, the, the radical, radical far-left group that's very violent, very, very violent. That is the group that's rioting and looting. That is the group to be against. Do not blame Black Lives Matter for the rioting and looting. And again, I'm saying that as someone who doesn't necessarily agree with the movement Black Lives Matter. They are not to blame, and they're, they're, the big, they're some of the biggest losers. Outside of people who were actually injured, obviously George Floyd, and other people who have been physically hurt or had their life savings ruined because their business was torn down or burned down, if you're going to talk about political organizations that took the biggest hit, Black Lives Matter is took a massive, massive hit. And it's not fair to them. They didn't deserve to take the hit. And of course, I'm going to call out injustice when I see it. And so, a lot of the major cities in the United States are starting to lift their curfews. Uh, the National Guard, I think I think I saw it was over 40,000 National Guard soldiers have been deployed across the United States, which is wild. I mean, that's absolutely insane. Um, but they're beginning to be pulled back. Like I said, the curfews are being lifted. The protests are starting to calm down a little bit, but the political fire is, as I said in the intro, is absolutely heating up. Now, there was a new development that came out that I wanted to talk about really quick on the George Floyd case, and that is the potential sentence of the officer who was on video, or the, excuse me, the what he's being charged with, the officer, Derek Chauvin, the officer that was caught on camera killing George Floyd. Now, the initial charge was third-degree murder. And the Attorney General of uh, Minnesota is now wanting to upgrade those charges, and already has, to second-degree murder. And that is not a good idea. It is a miserable idea. I do not know why he is going forward with this. He is an attorney. He should be smarter than this. And if you want me, if you don't know what I'm talking about, allow me to explain. So in Minnesota, there's a difference between third-degree murder. By the way, all states have different statutes on these are state offenses. Murder is a state crime. And so every state has its own definitions as what's first-degree murder, what's second-degree murder, what's third-degree murder. So in Minnesota, Derek Chauvin was initially charged with third-degree murder. And by the statute, third-degree murder is essentially, I'm not going to read the specific statute, but it's essentially you are using, you are participating in actions that have reckless disregard for human life. Um, you have, you did something to where you may not have gone in there wanting to kill somebody, but by your action, you had absolutely no regard for human life and someone died as a result, which is pretty much exactly what happened in the, in the, uh, the, the video of, um, George Floyd being killed as from what we can see, from what we can see. Now there could be a bigger motive behind it, but from what you can see in the video, 
that looks like that's exactly what happened. It looks like George Floyd is being restrained. It looks like George Floyd is has a for whatever reason the officer with reckless re- disregard for George Floyd's life puts his knee on his neck and George Floyd dies as a result of it. Now, did the officer want to kill George Floyd? Well, that's not really clear yet, and we don't know. But as a third-degree murder conviction, you don't have to know that. It doesn't matter whether he wanted to or not. Because he he actually, I mean, his actions caused the death. So that the video is a cut-and-dry case of third-degree murder. Now, what the Attorney General done has, has done excuse me, is upgraded it to second-degree murder. Now, second-degree murder is obviously more serious than third-degree murder. It carries a heavier sentence. And under second-degree murder the question of intent comes into the picture. So to be convicted of second-degree murder, it's pretty much the same thing as third-degree murder, except you have to prove that Derek Chauvin actually went into that encounter with the intent to either seriously injure or kill uh, George Floyd. Okay? And now that is a, that's a hotbed issue. That's an issue where we don't really know for sure. Of course, people on the left are saying, oh, yes, it's so clear. Yes, of course he did. He wanted to kill him because he was black. Well, we don't know. Okay, the intent is not shown on the video. The only person that knows the, the intent is Derek Chauvin. And so the reason why I say that it's dangerous is because if you are going to take it in front of a jury, the chances of Derek Chauvin now getting off have increased because you have to now improve, you have to prove to a jury that Derek Chauvin intended to kill George Floyd. You have to show, you're going to have to actually prove to the jury that there was intent there. That he actually intended, before the altercation even started, that he intended to kill George Floyd. And that is going to be difficult to prove. It is going to be difficult to prove. I don't know how the prosecutor is actually going to go about proving it. Of course, I don't know the facts of the case. You don't, nobody does, except for the people involved. I just know what the video shows, which is what most people know. And the video shows third-degree murder, which I don't understand. And I know that the prosecutor, which is wrong also, the prosecutor upgraded the charges because of of, uh, public pressure, which should never happen. Public pressure should never, ever, it's always a bad look for anybody. You should never, ever, as a prosecutor or as an attorney general, give in to public pressure to increase someone's charges. That is a disaster waiting to happen. Because let me pose a simple question to you. Let's say these second-degree murder charges, it goes to trial, as it prob- this thing probably will go to trial. And let's say that second-degree murder uh, goes in front of the jury, and the jury finds him not guilty. What do you think the country's going to look like if Derek Chauvin gets found not guilty? What do you think is going to happen to the country when Derek Chauvin walks out of that courtroom a free man? Because I can tell you for sure, leaving the charges as third-degree murder, very small chance that would happen, because... Everything in the statute for third-degree murder is essentially caught on camera. But when you add intent, when you add actual intent to the mix, and you upgrade it to second-degree murder, now it's more up in the air. Is a jury going to actually say that, yes, he intended to do that? Because it's going to be much harder to prove. So now... It's a disaster. Now now we're just in a big a big mess, an absolute big mess, and, and I don't know where we're going to go moving forward from here. I don't know what's going to happen to Derek Chauvin. Of course, this trial will not take place for at least another year. It's going to be pushed off forever, um, especially given all of the media attention. And quick side note, I don't know how in the world they're going to find a jury, an unbiased jury. Everybody and their mom has heard of this case. 
How are you going to find a juror that has never heard of this case? That has no that has no preconceived biases in this case. I, I don't know how you're going to find it, but apparently that's not my job. I mean, that's that's a, the judge, the prosecutor, and the defense attorney. So, moving on from that, more controversies surrounding. I'm not going to talk about George Floyd now specifically, but more of the things surrounding it. So, you may have heard of this guy. His name is Drew Brees. He's a quarterback for the New Orleans Saints. So, Drew Brees says something wildly, wildly controversial. Wildly controversial. Just kidding. I hope you can see, hear the sar- or, excuse me, hear the sarcasm in my voice because he doesn't say anything controversial. He said something. Actually, you know what? I was going to read the quote, but I actually want you to hear it because I don't want anything to be taken out of context. So, just listen to the actual audio of what he says. I will never agree with anybody um, disrespecting the flag of the United States of America or our country. Um, let me let me just tell you what I see. Or what I feel when the national anthem is played and when I look at the, the flag of the United States. I envision my two grandfathers who fought for this country during World War II, one in the Army and one in the Marine Corps, both risking their lives to protect our country and to try to make our country and this world a better place. So every time I stand with my hand over my heart, looking at that flag and singing the national anthem, that's what I think about. And in many cases, it brings me to tears, thinking about all that has been sacrificed, not just those in the military, but for that matter, those throughout the civil rights movements of the 60s and everyone and all that has been endured by so many people up until this point. And is everything right with our country right now? No, it's not. We still have a long way to go. But I think what you do by standing there and showing respect to the flag with your hand over your heart is it shows unity. It shows that we are all in this together. We can all do better. And that we are all part of the solution. Okay. So, did you hear anything controversial in what he just said? Did you hear anything at all controversial in what Drew Brees just said? Because I certainly didn't. I didn't at all. But, of course, because we have the woke culture, we have the woke culture of people that are woke, Drew Brees had to come out and apologize for what he said. He had to apologize, and he did. And he said, I'm so sorry. I mean, I'm paraphrasing. But he said, I'm so sorry that my actions, you know, it gave the typical half-hearted apology. Um, and, of course, Donald Trump t- or attacked him and said, why'd you apologize? But he stuck to his apology because the woke crowd is more powerful than Donald Trump on Twitter. The woke crowd is more, imp- or is more powerful. The woke crowd is the crowd of people. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'll briefly explain it. Wokeism is this new culture over the past few years that has been overtaking the United States. So wokeism is if you there it's far left and it's it's called being woke, meaning you understand it, it they're the type of people that will say all white people have an innate bias against them or in them against people of color. And you white people have a have systemic privileges that even though, and you, if you are a white person listening to this, you, you are part of what's wrong with America. That everything that has been, that America was built on, everything was built on the backs of slavery. Not on Judeo-Christian ideals, not on freedom, not on individual liberty, which is freedom. No, it was built on the back of slavery. That's America's original sin 
slavery was the only thing, the only thing that happened in the United States. That the United States from 1619 to 1860 to 1960 to now, 1619 is when the first slave came to what was then colonial America or as part of Great Britain. Every single part of American society has been built on the back of slavery. And if you are a white person, you have benefited from the privileges of that society because you have never been discriminated against. Now, of course, they don't know you personally. They don't know your struggles that you've been through. They have no idea what kind of what kind of you know issues that you may have faced throughout your life. They just know that your skin color is white, and therefore you have never had to struggle. You have sir, you you have been successful on the back of people of a different color than you, and so that is being woke. And those are the people that are that's part of the cancel culture. When comedians come out and they say something homo or if athletes or comedians that say something homophobic. They tweeted out something 10 years ago on Twitter that was, uh, you know, of course it was a different time, but 10 years ago on Twitter they made a, a, a homosexual joke or they made, you know, who knows, they, they made some type of joke. And people, the woke culture comes out on Twitter in droves and they're like, oh, we must cancel them. Oh my gosh, how they must apologize for what they did, even though it was 10 years ago. So or 20 years ago, or 30 years ago, or who knows. Uh, so, Drew Brees fell prey to the woke, you know, the wokeism. He he apologized, which I've lost respect for him. I, I think, I wish people would just stick to their guns. If you feel a certain way and you get criticized, sorry. I get, I'm, I get criticized on this. I've already, this pod, this is my third episode of this podcast. I have already been criticized on Twitter. I have already been criticized on Twitter. Stick to your guns, okay? Now, I'm not saying, and I think it's a very important distinction, if you want, you, you need to open up discussion. I'm always, always open to having discussions with people with whom I disagree. Always. And you, everyone should. Everyone should be willing to have those discussions. But, but, that doesn't mean you should just apologize for existing. Which is what the woke goals would have you, would have you do. So, the question is now, after all this, especially with the woke scolds, with, with everything with George Floyd and everything that has been going on, where do we go from here? Where does the United States, right now, is we are some of the most, we are very, very divided. I mean, more divided than I can remember um, in, in my lifetime. I'm not very old. But we are more divided now than I can remember, and... I guess the quick question is, where do we go from here? And my simple answer is, I have no idea. <laughs> Truly, I, I have no idea. I don't know where we go from here. Because the country is so divided. Everyone is so far in their corners. I have never seen the United States like this. You need only, if you don't know what I'm talking about, which surely you do, if you have social media, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. The worst place to see this is Twitter. Twitter is an absolute dumpster fire for people who are on... It's a terrible spot for people like me. And maybe like you if you're listening to this. Somebody in the middle. Somebody that is a centrist. It is a disaster for somebody who is a centrist. Because Twitter wants you to see... they What they want to see is they want to see the people on the far right or people that are really strong Trump supporters and really strong Trump haters and going at it. 
They'd want to see you going at it all the time. That is not how I am. I know that it's sexy. I know that it gets the likes. I know that it gets the retweets. I know that's what people want to see. It's because it gets the views on YouTube. I know it does. I know it does. But it's just not the way politics needs to be. We have to start somewhere. Even somewhere on something as small as a Guard Nation podcast that you are listening to right now. We've got to start somewhere. And I do not think that's the way to do it. Just to fight with each other constantly. Fight with each other all the time. And if you don't believe me, I'll tell you exactly what I'm talking about. This was a... This was a tweet. This was a tweet that someone put, and I absolutely... It just drove me nuts. So this tweet said, I'm for putting all Democrats on the domestic terrorism list. Who's with me? All Democrats on the domestic terrorism list? That is the kind of rhetoric right there that's why no one can get along. Because I assume, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt there, the realist first at the realist first. I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt there and say that you're just joking, that you're being satirical. Uh, but I don't know that you are. I, I mean, I, I don't. I don't know that you are because I see all, all kinds of different things on Twitter. I mean, I, I don't know. Is everybody in the, you know, the reply to you? Are they joking? Because I saw a lot of support for that with people that were uh, that were replying to you. Uh, but so another, when I... So I promoted one of my tweets for Guard Nation uh, the other day, and I put out, I just put out some information saying, I, you know, if you got some extra time, check out the show. We'd love to have you. Bunch of people were were interacting with it, and someone said, someone replied to me and said, "Ugh," like "ew." They said "ew," another centrist, and that mentality right there is exactly what I'm talking about. Someone in the middle. I mean, there's no place for you on Twitter. If you are in the middle, there is no place for you on Twitter. And it's something that I've, I'm understanding now. And it's it's horrible because there are so many. And the problem is the people on Twitter that are just wildly to the left and wildly to the right are in the minority. Most Americans are in the middle. Most Americans want to look at things from a rational perspective. They don't just sit in their little corners and they just defend, defend, defend. And attack, attack, attack. They don't do that all the time. Most Americans don't have time to do that all the time. And there are very few of us centrists left. Because centrists are dying. And... I I don't want to go off on that tangent. But anyway. So... The only, what what has been the answer for people on the left and the right is for, for where do we go from here is everybody says, oh, the election, the election, the election's coming up in November. That's where we should go. We should vote Trump out. We should vote him out of office because he is the problem. All right, Barack Obama jumped on this, tweeted that out. He said, you know, it's important for you to vote in November. But I have a quick question for you. I have a quick question. Truly, I do. Who do you think is responsible for Derek Chauvin? Derek Chauvin, the man that murdered George Floyd. Who do you think is responsible for him? Do you think Donald Trump is responsible for Derek Chauvin? I don't think so. Because if you have a bad cop on a police force, I would say the chief of police is probably responsible. And then if you want to go above him, probably the mayor. 
is going to be responsible. It's a pretty long line down the or up the chain of command to get to the president. I mean, a long way up the chain of command. I do not think the president of the United States is responsible for what I can't use the word, but for what an awful cop will do. I don't think that was true when Michael Brown was killed. I don't think that was true when Trayvon Martin was killed. I certainly don't think it's true now. I do not think when you had unlawful police shootings under President Obama that that was somehow on President Obama. I don't think so at all. I don't think it's on President Trump. I think you need to look at local leadership. And do you know, do you know what political party, I'm going to give you, I'm going to let you guess, but do you know what political party the leadership is in Minneapolis where the shooting is? Democrat. They're all Democrats. It is a Democrat-led city. All these major cities where these protests are happening are Democrat-led cities. So when you say go to vote in November, I don't know what you're talking about. Because to me, it doesn't seem like the, the problem is with, uh, for police, for police, for police, the problem is not in the White House. The problem is on a local level. So if you are unhappy with your police force, vote out your local leaders. I'm not telling you to vote Republican or Democrat, but vote out your local leaders. If you do not like your local police, vote out your local leaders. They are responsible. Now, that is not a defense of Donald Trump. Because I don't think Donald Trump has handled this very well. Now, Donald Trump has been very, very disappointing to me because I thought he handled the coronavirus outbreak, which we all forgot about, by the way. No, Nobody was socially distancing out there. <laughs> nobody was socially distancing. The same media that was yelling at you, that was yelling at you, telling you to put on your mask and shaming you for not putting on your mask and yelling at these Republican states and these Republican governors for reopening their state, saying, how could you possibly reopen your state? You cannot reopen your state. You cannot let people get around each other. Otherwise, you're going to kill grandma. You're going to kill your grandma. You don't care about old people. But then when the protests want to happen in the street, oh, that's no problem. Those people don't want to kill grandma. No, what are you talking about? Or what are you, crazy? No. We all forgot about the coronavirus. Like, overnight. We all forgot about the coronavirus because we wanted to protest. But the coronavirus was something that I thought President Trump actually handled pretty well. President Trump did a pretty good job with the coronavirus, or he is doing a good job with the coronavirus. And we actually had great job numbers that come out. The unemployment rate actually went down. Everybody and their mother thought their unemployment rate was going to go up. But Trump's newest job numbers, the unemployment rate went down, which is fantastic for President Trump. But Trump's got to blow it. Why? Because he has absolutely no idea how to handle the George Floyd situation. President Trump was has been miserable handling the George Floyd situation. Now, I'm not saying that it's wrong to use military force because I, I am in favor of using military force to break up these rioters and looters. Someone has to defend these citizens. Someone has to defend the law-abiding citizens. Because there were a lot of people that were locked up in a curfew when they had done nothing wrong. There were a lot of people in these major cities locked up in curfews that had done absolutely nothing wrong. And so, Trump has really, really been a disappointment in dealing with the George Floyd situation. He has spent way too much time on Twitter. I know that's been a problem throughout his entire presidency. But he has spent far too much time on Twitter. I said from the outset when the riot started, and I'll say now, President Trump should have addressed the nation from the Oval Office. That is what all great leaders do, all great presidents do in a time of crisis. He should have done it when the coronavirus broke out. He should have done it when, when George Floyd 
or when the killing or when the riots broke out. Address the nation from the Oval. Address the nation and let everyone know that everything is okay and give us your plan going forward. Don't just start tweeting. It's not enough. It's not enough. You can't just live on Twitter, Mr. President. But President Trump, you know, my faith has been shaken in him. And I... President Trump, what he continues to do over and over and over and over is attack, 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 attack. And I know that his base loves it. I know that his base loves it. But his base is not the support that he needs. They would follow him to death. His base is not the support he needs. The support he needs are people like me, people in the middle. Mr. President, I am trying to vote for you, but you are making it very difficult for me. You are making it very difficult. And it's not just me. New poll numbers just came out. And guess what? President Trump is behind. Joe Biden, by a long shot. Fox News asked for a poll. Choice for the president if voting today. Now, for Joe Biden, 48%. Donald Trump, 40%. Joe Biden has an eight-point lead over the incumbent. Joe Biden, one of, uh, a miserable candidate for the Democratic Party. Miserable candidate for the Democratic Party. Awful. He's up eight points on Donald Trump. And a lot of people on Twitter were downplaying this today, saying, oh, pff, whatever, whatever, don't care. Eight points, that's not that big of a lead. Okay, Obama never led Mitt Romney by eight points. Think about the 2012 election. Obama was never up eight points on Mitt Romney. Okay, and people on Twitter were also saying, oh, well, everybody thought Trump was going to lose in 2016, and he pulled that out, didn't he? Yes, he did pull that out. But Hillary Clinton never led Donald Trump by eight points. It was always closer than that. Hillary Clinton never led Donald Trump by more by eight points. That's a commanding lead. And that's up from April 2020. They were both tied at 42%. Both of them were tied at 42% in April 2020. Now, or a month, or excuse me, two months ago. Now, 48% for Joe Biden, 40% for Donald Trump. So Donald Trump has to change some strategy. He has to start appealing to the middle. He has to start appealing to people like me and maybe somebody like you. I don't know where your political views lie. But that is it for this episode of Guard Nation. If you are listening on on a podcast wherever you are, please give us give me a five star review. I would much appreciate it. Um, if you are watching me on YouTube, please give me a thumbs up. Leave me a comment if you want to give me some feedback or if you want to ask me a question. And please subscribe. Turn on notifications if you want to be uh, notified when I post new episodes. It's always every Saturday night. Sometimes it's late Saturday. Sometimes it's early Saturday. But I don't know. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can. At Guard Nation Show. That's at Guard Nation Show. And if you want to ask me any questions at all, you can email me at guardnation at gmail.com. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode. Check in next Saturday for, for uh, my next episode. And thank you for being a part of Guard Nation. <laughs>